0: Thank you for listening to Southside Baptist Church's podcast. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us online at southsidesbc.org. Again, that's southsidesbc.org. Additionally, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you, or if you would like to know more about Jesus and why we serve Him, please email us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thank you for listening. Well, I, I'm going to be kind of confined this morning. I can't move as much this morning because of all of the, the toys up here. But uh, that's okay, um, because we will have a good time this week, and we will, um, we will proclaim the gospel. And uh, boys and girls, we're here. Amen. So this morning, uh, what I want to do uh, this morning, I, um, I I'm not going to pull any punches. I'm just going to kind of be very straightforward about what the purpose of the message this morning is. And that is that my purpose is to encourage all of those, all of you who are serving in Vacation Bible School this year. Um, we are getting ready for, uh, y'all have heard me talk about it like this before, uh, one of the most difficult, best weeks of the year. And uh, it is the, one of the most difficult, but the most fun weeks you'll ever have if you are serving or part of Vacation Bible School. Um, but it, it is also uh, one of the most difficult And one of the reasons I want to encourage you is because if you're serving in Vacation Bible School this year, um, probably about Wednesday evening, sometime around 8.30 or 9 o'clock, you're going to be driving home from church, from Vacation Bible School, and you're going to look over at your spouse and you're going to say something like this, oh honey, I'm exhausted, I'm tired. I just don't know if I can if I can do it again. How many of you have heard that before? Okay, right? Uh, You've heard that, or or you've thought that, and then you think, "Who in the world wrangled me into doing this?" Say it was Pastor Scott, it was Laura Smith. They did. Well, listen, I want to encourage you this morning. Why should we serve? Why do we serve in Vacation Bible School? Why should we serve? Uh, why should we teach? Why should we help with games or registration or, 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 or uh, in the kitchen? Why, after you've worked, many of you, after you've worked a, a, your regular job all day long, why should you come here all evening and put out more energy all evening long? Well, friends, the same could be said about why serving Awana. Why teach Sunday school? Why work with the youth? Why reach out to that coworker? Why serve as an usher? Why minister to others in general? Why bother talking to anybody about Christ? Why even care? I want to talk to you about that this morning. Friends, I want to give you simply three simple reasons from our text this morning about why we should serve the Lord. Um, I don't believe just during vacation Bible school, but I believe why we should serve as often and as much as we can. So take your outline this morning, and we're going to jump right in. First of all, and the first reason is this, friends, because as believers, we are all servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. As believers, we are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, you know, as we read through the New Testament, we read through Scripture, um, I don't believe we see, ever see two classes of believers. I don't believe there are um, believe beginners and servants. I don't see. We believe we see sitters and servants. I don't believe we see those who stand around and those who serve, or even those who serve and those who used to serve. I believe we simply see those who are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that's how the Apostle Paul described himself, as a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ, a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. So look at our text this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, the context is that Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And he is addressing some, um, some things. You know, many, many churches today say they want to be a New Testament church. And you kind of need to be careful about what you, say, what, what you mean when you say that. Um, I want to be a church that is biblical and that follows the Lord. Amen? Um, now, that may resemble some of the New Testament churches, and it may not. Um, the church in Corinth was not a church you necessarily wanted to resemble. Um, there was a lot of immorality in the church. Unfortunately, they had some division as well. And we see it right from the beginning of, uh, of the letter Paul writes here that there was some division in the church. Uh, and, and where that kind of um, started at with them was uh, it said some of them were identifying themselves with different teachers. Some were saying, I'm of Paul. Some were saying, I'm of, uh, of Apollos, I am of Cephas or Peter. And so they were identifying themselves with the person who either had led them to the Lord or who was their favorite teacher. It's kind of like maybe being in a church today. Uh, having multiple staff and some saying, well, well, I love it when Pastor, Pastor Mark preaches. Or I love it when Pastor Scott preaches. Or I love it when Pastor so-and-so preaches. And, and that being um, the person that you grab hold of. And so the Apostle Paul addresses this division. It was creating division in their church. And in so doing, uh, in addressing this, uh, he makes a vital point, friends. And that is that in Christ, we all are equally important servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look in chapter 3, beginning in verse 5. Paul writes, he says, Who then is Paul? Yes, he went third person on us, right? Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. So, listen, there were many times Paul had to defend his apostleship. But here, what Paul is saying is, listen, who am I? Who are these other teachers? Who are the preachers that you listen from? Simply ministers through whom God has worked. Sometimes we put ministers up on a pedestal. And listen, I believe we do need to respect the office that God has called somebody to. For all, I am a, a human being just like you are. Someone who hopefully God is using. I just am, as you, am a believer who has to surrender daily to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is saying here. Who are we but ministers through whom you believed? Look at verse 6. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. He said, yeah, I I, I may have had an opportunity to to start this church, to, to lead some of you to the Lord, but others have watered that. Others have come along and led others to the Lord. We'll see reference that later on as well. Look at verse 7. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Friends, it's not about us, it's about him. Amen? And if his Holy Spirit is not working in our lives, and if he is not drawing us to himself, and, and drawing people to himself, friends, then what we do is for naught. Verse 8, he says, Now he who plants and he who waters are one. Uh, friends, he makes a, 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 a point here to point out the fact that we are one in Christ. He and Apollos and whomever else they wanted to name, uh, there weren't different sects of Christianity. He, didn't, he was trying to avoid that. Friends, we're one in Christ. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Amen? He says, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are God's fellow workers. You know, we could say that about this week. Amen? How many of you are serving some way, shape, or form in Vacation Bible School? Raise your hand. Amen. Praise God for that. Um, we are God's fellow workers. Uh, this week, our field is 200 kids that are going to be here um, to share the gospel with. Uh, he says, we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. Uh, you are God's building. Uh, you know, throughout the New Testament, we constantly see the concept That is talked about in verse that that he refers to in verse nine, uh, repeated throughout Scripture, and that is, friends, that we are workers in the field. Um, In following along his agricultural analogy, um, continually inviting others that are in the field to join us to become workers alongside of us. So we are workers in the field. We're inviting those who are in the field to join us, to come become a part of his family, to become a child of God, to become a servant of the Lord, to join us in working in the field, to go out and invite others to come and be a part of his family and a part of of of, of serving him and to join us in being workers in the field. Amen? So that is the process of which the Scripture talks to us about we are disciples of Christ, we are followers of His, but we are followers in order to proclaim the good news, to win others to Christ, to see them come, to proclaim the good news, to see others come to Christ, to proclaim the good news, to see others come to Christ, amen? So that we have more and more workers working in the field serving Him together. You know, one of the other analogies that Paul uses um, often, even later in this same letter to the church at Corinth, is that of um, comparing the church to a physical body. In fact, this analogy is so um, ingrained in us now, we oftentimes, without even thinking, when we refer to the church, what do we call the church? The body. The body of Christ. But that comes from the analogy that Paul uses over in chapter 12, and, and Romans uh, as well, and, and several other places that he talks about the fact that as as believers, we are similar to a physical body. No, There are no two of us that are exactly alike. And because of that, God has gifted each one of us differently, and therefore we serve differently. And just as with a physical body, we have different parts. We have our hands, we have our feet, we have our legs, we have our eyes, our ears, our mouth. There are different parts of our physical bodies, and they each serve a particular purpose. Within the body of Christ, we each have different gifts, and we serve particular purposes. Amen? And so there are some of you, um, even this week in Vacation Bible School, um, that love working with little ones. There are some of you that love working with maybe 4th, 5th, and 6th graders. There are some of you that say, you know what, I can't do that, but you know what? Um, I I can serve in the kitchen. I can help with games. Uh, Some of you, listen... Um, Jason LaCava, where's Jason? I know he's around here somewhere. He's he's in the back, I think. Listen, Jason has poured his heart into into making the games for these kids. One of the reasons these kids come back year after year is because of the wonderful games that Jason has. You know, how many many of you, now there will be some of you that raise your hands and, and that's okay, but how many of you would like to spend your time making games for the kids out here? Okay, some of you say, you know, I, I don't know about that. If you, if you say, yeah, I kind of like that, then we need to talk after church, all right? Jason, Jason could use some help in the next year as well and stuff, but, but Jason has a heart for that, and so God gifts each one of us differently He gives each one of us different desires and passions uh, in order to serve him, in order to be part of the body that he has created. Amen. And each member of the body is important because each member has a different function. Think about it. If your eyes decided that they were going to stop working, you would have trouble. Amen? It would take some learning to get used to that. If your hands decided they weren't going to function, uh, I don't think you could quite use your feet in the same way, even though I have a cousin that has toes as long as fingers. I still don't think you can grab with your toes quite like you can. So each physical part, body part has a different purpose and a different function, for so even so in the body of Christ. Amen? And so here is one of the most important points I want to make this morning, and that is this. Each part has a different function. So what happens when one of those body parts doesn't, decides it's not going to function? The body doesn't work the way it should. The same thing is true in the body of Christ. I want you to hear my heart. And I don't want... It, it. Some of you have checked out of serving. For whatever reason. Maybe you went through a busy time in your life. And you had to step back. Listen that happens to all of us. But you've never reengaged. Maybe you got hurt. You went to another church. You got hurt. And and so you've come here. and you, you, you've, you've enjoyed being at Southside. But you've never, never reengaged with serving. Friends. Um, I believe there is something. Um, uh, that God places inside of us. As believers. That we have to serve. Or or we're missing something in our lives. And so I want to encourage you to re-engage. You may say, well, pastor, I can't do what I used to do. That's okay. If my 86-year-old mother can find places to serve in vacation Bible school and others, I'll mention my mom. I'm not going to mention any other. We have others who are serving in Vacation Bible School who many would say, oh, wow, you've, you've done your time. You don't, you don't need to serve anymore. Guess what? When there's a heart to serve, we serve. Amen? We serve because we love the Lord Jesus Christ and we want to see Him. We want to allow Him to work in our lives and we want to allow Him to work through us and work in other people's lives as well. Amen? As believers, friends... We are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, the second reason why we need to serve and why I want to encourage you to serve and why we should serve, friends, is that when we serve, we are building upon what Jesus has done in our lives. We are building upon what Christ has done in our lives. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying this morning. Um, Nothing we can do our serving We don't serve in order to earn our salvation. We don't serve in order to earn God's favor or to make up for any of the things we do. We don't serve as purgatory. Listen, what Christ has done on the cross is sufficient for our sins. There is nothing more important than the redemption that He has provided for us. However, Friends, the fact that Jesus saves us does not give us the right to coast for the rest of our lives. Some people think, well, I got my fire insurance. Depending on what church you grew up in, right? You know, that's kind of, I got my fire insurance and so now I can just kind of, I'm coasting to the end of my life. Um, Once we put our faith and trust in Christ, friends, and the foundation is laid in our lives of a relationship with Jesus Christ, we are called to build upon that by serving the one who gave his life for us. Look in our text again. Let's pick up in verse 9. Verse 9, we read, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field. And then he, he kind of changes analogies here. He begins to use a different imagery in order that he could bring out a different point. He says, You are God's field, you are God's building. Changes the analogy from agriculture to architecture. Verse 10, he says, According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. Now, specifically here, Paul was talking about the fact that he went from city to city, uh, sharing the gospel, seeing people come to Christ and starting churches. And then he would pass that off and put some other leaders in place for, to work and to win more people to Christ and go on. And that's what he had done in Corinth. So he had laid the foundation there, preached Christ, seen some of them come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and another begin, others built on that, on the work that he started there. He says, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. Verse 11, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Friends, the foundation for our lives must be a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? It is... It is the solid rock upon uh, where our lives must be founded. We're all sinners. We're all separated from Him by our sin. And it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross, paid for our sin, friends, that we can have a relationship with Him and that we can have truth in our lives and we can begin to build a life that that is based on peace and faith and love and hope. Amen? But friends, once Christ is in our lives and once that foundation is laid, friends, look at what verse 12 says. It says, Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw... Now, in those six building elements there, um, there's a lot of variety, isn't it? Um, th- there's a lot of variety. If you build with, with, with hay and straw... And there are places in the world where they built houses with, with straw. Um, it, it's kind of becoming a renaissance, coming back in some places. Uh, but there are other places where uh, they have built houses and, 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 and cities with stone, precious stones. Uh, the, the term there really is talking more about rocks, granite, things that are not going to burn up. I've never had a chance to go to Europe. Um, but I know you go to certain cities in Europe and in Rome and so forth. And there are there are houses. There are buildings that have been there for the last since Jesus was there 2000 years ago. Um, they have lasted all this time uh, when you build with materials that will last the, the, the houses that you build will last Verse 13 says, each one's work, so if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. Friends, what the scripture is saying here is that, yes, it's important that the foundation that we lay is in a, with a relationship with Jesus Christ, but it's also important on what we do after we're saved. It's also important what we do with our life. Um, I don't know about you, but I like to see new construction. Uh, I like I like to watch new houses, new buildings go up, you know, riding around uh, our city. Anytime I see a construction sign go up, I'm always interested. What are they building here? What's going up? Is going to be a restaurant? Is going to be a bank? What is it? And I'm always kind of interested in that. I don't know if you are. So every time I drive by, I'll watch, you know, and before they go up with a building, what do they do? First they must go down. Right. They got to dig the foundation and put the footers in, and, and, and usually around here, laying, uh, pouring a concrete slab and so forth, and getting that foundation set before they go up with the building. But you, you watch this process and you see the foundation, and then, oh wow, okay, now they're gonna go up with the building and see what it's gonna be. How silly of them would it be of them to lay a foundation to pour a slab and then not to build anything on top of it? That'd be foolish, wouldn't it? Uh, now, has it happened? I, I, I'm sure it has. You know, I remember, a, I remember in Indianapolis, Laura and I, when um, John and Nancy used to live there, we would drive by, and this house was partially built. But I remember a, a, a house that we would drive by, nobody ever lived in it because they started building the house and they ran out of money. That happens. But, but most of the time, when you, you lay a foundation, you pour a foundation with the intent of what? Building upon it. Building a house upon it. Friends, and the same thing is true in our lives. Jesus Christ has given, if you know Him as your Lord and Savior, He has given you a rock-solid foundation. Amen? He's given you the foundation in which to build your life upon, in which to serve Him upon. How foolish would it be for us to leave the foundation and not build upon it. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, and verse 10. I believe, give us kind of both sides of this coin. The first two verses talk about the foundation. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Um, that is the foundation, right? It's by the grace of God, not by anything that we do, but simply by His goodness and what Jesus did on the cross that we can be saved and we can have a relationship with Him. Friends, that's the foundation that needs to be laid in our lives. And if you're here this morning and you're searching and you're trying to figure out who this Jesus is and, wow, do uh, what is what, what is whats what does this mean for my life? Friends, first you need to ask, what not just what does it mean for my life? But what does it mean for my eternity? One of the saddest things I saw this week I'm sure many of you have been following kind of the news as well um, is the duck boat that went under in uh, Branson, Missouri. Um, I don't know those families, don't know the people who passed away um, I pray, I hope that they knew Christ as their Lord and Savior. We need to pray for those families. How awful, how tragic. But it is a reminder that even when you're on vacation, you're not guaranteed the next day. And we need to make sure that we know where we're going. You say, Pastor, how, how can I do that? Friends, The Scripture says that if we will put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, believe that He died to pay for our sins on the cross, and let Him come into our life, be the Lord and boss of our life, friends, then our name is written in heaven. Our name is written in what's called the Lamb's Book of Life. We become a child of God, and we become part of His family. Friends, that is how the foundation is laid. If you've never come to a point where you've accepted Him as your Savior, Friends, I beg you, I plead with you to do that today. Once that foundation is laid, once we're in a relationship with Christ, then, friends, we are to build upon that. Amen? Look at verse 10. So it's by, by grace that we are saved, but verse 10 says, for we are His workmanship. Friends, God has done a work in us, amen, transforming us. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Well, look at this next part. Four What? Good works. No, we don't, we, don't, we don't do good works in order to be saved. 8 and 9 covers that, right? It's by grace you've been saved through faith. That not of yourselves. But verse 10 tells us we are His workmanship. And in Christ Jesus, we are to do what? Good works, which He has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so as believers, as God has laid that foundation, He's called us to Himself, and we responded in faith, friends. Then we are to begin serving Him. Amen. We are to build upon it by serving Him in our lives. Seeking to share the good news that somebody else shared with us with others. The question is, as you build upon it, friends, what are you building with? That leads us to number three, the third reason. I want to encourage you to serve. Why should we serve? Why are we serving this week, friends? Because we're all servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, friends, because... When we serve, we're building upon what Christ has done in our lives. And number three, friends, very simply because, I don't know about you, but I want my efforts to last. I want my efforts to last. You know, we're all, we're all doing something, right? We're all doing something, even if it's playing on your phone. Some of you think, how do you know I was doing that right now? As Christians, as believers, we're all, we're all putting our efforts towards something. We're building upon that foundation with something, friends. Why not make it last? Look at verse 12 again. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it. So we build upon that foundation. And uh, you know what? I don't believe that necessarily what we build upon are necessarily sinful things. Sometimes they are just meaningless things, right? The things we involve ourselves with in our lives. And so... Uh, what it says here is that whatever we are building upon with, our work will become clear for the day will declare it. Uh, the day speaks of, I believe, the judgment seat of Christ, as mentioned over in 2 Corinthians 5.10, the bema seat in, in the Greek. It, is, uh, it, it was an elevated platform where athletes received their rewards. You can think of Olympics. Okay, this is not talking about salvation and and, and and heaven or hell. This is for believers standing before Christ at the bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ, to receive uh, rewards for what we've done in the body. 2 Corinthians five ten tells us, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Verse thirteen, back in our text this morning, says. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. say, Pastor, is that saying what I think it says? Well... I don't know what you're thinking it says, but here's what it says. Is that the things that we do in, in our body, in this flesh, here on this earth, after we're saved, will either earn rewards or not. And that our work will be tested, similar to, to, to being tested by fire. If you take those things here in verse 12 and you test those with fire, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, what's going to happen to some of them? They're going to burn up. What's going to happen to the others? They're going to last. And some of the things may be purified in the process. And so I believe what Paul is saying here is simply some of the things we are involved in and some of the things we do as believers are worthless. Need I say that maybe most of the things we do as believers are worthless. Worthless. They're not going to last. You say, Pastor. Um, what do you mean when you say it's going to last? It, it, if, if what you say is true, Pastor, and this world is going to burn up one day, and and and, and God's going to bring it all to an end, then isn't everything going to burn up? Well, everything physical. How do, how then how then do we do we how then do things last, friends? Well, Scripture tells us, really, of one thing I know that's going to last. And that is the souls of men and women. We're going to spend eternity in heaven or hell. And so the only thing that we can invest in, that we can put our efforts towards, that had the opportunity to last, is ministering to, sharing Christ with, seeking to help people, men and women, come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior to go from death to life, to go from uh, not a child of God to becoming a child of God and becoming part of His family so that they can spend eternity in heaven as well. Amen? That's why I said I am here to encourage you, friends, that this week, when, when you, Wednesday night, maybe it's Monday night, I don't know, When you're saying, I don't know if I can do, when you look to your spouse, here's what I want you to say. Listen, I'm fine with you saying, you know what, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. But what I'm doing is eternal work. It's eternal work. Friends, that's why um, some of you, those of you who are teaching especially, uh, my wife is somewhere on the children's wing teaching this morning. Um, That's why my wife has hounded on this over and over again, that as we teach our boys and girls, we share the gospel with them every time we get in front of them. That's what we want to do as a church. Um, Every time this week, when you hear me talk to our boys and girls and getting loud and crazy and stuff, the whole point is so we can bring it down to telling them that the only thing that matters in life and in death is Jesus Christ. the only thing that's why we're doing what we're doing this week friends when you're involved in telling others about christ you are doing eternal work when you are reaching out to someone in jesus name friends that is eternal work amen Uh, that's why we serve the lord in vbs That's why we serve the lord in awana let me just put a little plug here mike and Laura Edwards have done a tremendous job in in leading our Awana program for, I hate to guess how many years. I should know that, but at least 10 years. And I think it's been more like 12, 13, 14. Sorry. We we can do it. And praise God for them. Um, And they are still serving in Awana this, this year. Laura is leading that. Some of you need to step up and say, you know what, I want to serve in Awana. Some of you, um, there are other places in our church you may say, Pastor, I don't know how I can serve. I'm willing to use my gifts. Friends, w- would you let me know that um, so that we can put you, place you and help you to find um, your giftedness and where God, um, ha- how God has gifted you and where, where you can be involved, friends, because when we are involved in the work of the church who, whose mission is to reach people for Jesus, one life at a time, we are involved in eternal work. Amen? But it doesn't need to stop there, friends. When you go out this week, every week, and you go into your job, into your workplace, friends, you are a missionary there. When you go into your neighborhood, friends, you are a missionary there. Into your families, you are a missionary there, friends. And so when you are Telling others about Christ when you're seeking to build relationships in order to help people see who Jesus is and share the love of Christ with them, friends, you are involved in eternal work. Amen. I want to close with a story, some of which you're going to know. Um, I doubt you know kind of the very end. Um, Henry Ford, you know who Henry Ford was? Ford Automobile, Ford Motor Company. Henry Ford was a mastermind industrialist. He revolutionized the American transportation industry by being the first to mass produce the autom- automobile, known as the what was that first automobile? The Model T. The Model T. He uh, he made it so inexpensive at the time, or relatively inexpensive, so they sold a lot of them. And guess what? He became very wealthy. Nineteen seventeen, Henry Ford used his wealth to build an estate in Dearborn, Michigan, known as anybody know the name of his estate? Fairlane. Fairlane was the name of his estate. It's one of the finest mansions money could buy right along the River Rouge. He made sure in building this estate that they used the finest materials, the best of mankind's inventiveness. It was built of marble head limestone. Fifty-five rooms in all. Three stories, thirty-one thousand square feet. Modest little place. Had eight fireplaces, one of mar built of marble, thirteen feet high. One of the things that Henry Ford insisted upon. Uh, one of the things I read said that he was a um, a friend of uh, Thomas Edison, I believe. That he insisted on having power in his house and having um, the best electricity. Could 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 do at that time. Uh, the mansion had uh, took over 550 light switches to light the home. He did not want to be dependent upon public utilities, so he even had his own power plant built to power the mansion and the estate. Listen, what he built was the finest money he could buy. In 1917, it cost over one million fifty thousand dollars to build. That's a lot of money today. In 1917, that was. Really, a lot of money. However, in 1947, torrential rains came and flooded the River Rouge that was behind his house. The waters began to rise until they reached the power plant, the furnace, and the boilers. The power plant, furnace, and boilers all became flooded, and guess what? Caused the electricity to fail for the first time in its 40 years of existence. Ironically, that same night, Henry Ford lay dying in his bedroom. One of the richest men in the world, laying in a house that was one of the engineering marvels of its time. However, despite all of his money, despite his state-of-the-art home, it did him no good. He left the world the same way he had entered it 83 years before. In a cold house, lighted simply by candles. Friends, here's the point of that. All the stuff that we pour ourselves into so much, or we work towards and all that, we can't take any of it with us. Here's what we can take with us. Other people that God uses us to reach as we share the gospel, And we see others. Hopefully this week as we see boys and girls come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Friends, so that they may not spend eternity in hell, but that their eternity will be in heaven with God and we'll all be there together. Amen? Amen. The question is, what are you investing your efforts in? I'll tell you, I struggled a little bit on how exactly to offer the invitation today so here's what i want to do we've got a bunch of toys here on the altar um, i want to invite you um, to come as our youth youth guys you come on forward here just as they come quietly to get their instruments on and so forth um, we're going to stand here in just a minute and i want to invite you um, either coming to the front or maybe you want to grab a couple people right around you and as they lead us in song just pray for vacation bible school this week um want to pray for our teachers want to pray for the boys and girls that god would work in their heart that they would be open to what he has to say to them and that um that the devil would be bound this week he always seems to attack and try to get his two cents in worth somewhere pro- prohibiting teachers from coming or all sorts of things so please pray that god would 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 keep him away and that we'll be able to do heavenly work here here's the other way i want to invite you to respond maybe maybe you're here this morning and you say pastor i'm not, not only need to serve i need to become a part of what you're doing here at Southside." I, I want to invite you this morning i'll be here at the front i want to invite you to come if you know christ is your savior or you want to know christ as your savior love to love to just talk with you more about that and and have you come be a part of what God's doing here. Maybe it's time you say, you know what, Pastor, I need to begin investing in eternal things. I want to serve. I don't know how, maybe in Awana, maybe in uh, whatever. I want to invite you to respond to the Lord this morning. Friends, would you say, Lord, I want to be involved in eternal work. Lord, use me as you see fit. Would you surrender to Him today? Let's stand. Heavenly Father, Speak to our hearts this morning, Lord. Draw us into a closer relationship with you. Help us to realize the value, Lord, of what you've done for us. And Lord, offer back our service to you. It's in your name we pray.